Hello, adventurers. You have found Homebrew Heels, a Nat One Life podcast. I am one of your hosts, hostesses, Amanda. <laughs> My sister Sarah and I will be talking you through some of the Nat Ones we've rolled in the medical health areas of our life. We are not medical professionals by any means, although I personally have watched quite a bit of Grey's Anatomy. We will be sharing our experiences, how we're advocating for our health, what the experience is like in all its details, good and the gross, the cost of the adventure, and most importantly, how we are working to stay happy and motivated through it all. I have an exciting update. Um, as you know, we shared the our gut goals for 2021. And um, I am finally about prepared to start my new diet. Um, or I should say new. It's the SIBO diet like we talked about. I was all prepared to start it on the first. And then I thought, you know what? I probably should share this journey. So it took a little more preparation. But Monday... The 8th, we're starting it up with the rifaximin and the diet. But one thing I did cut out this week, Sarah, and I talked to you a little bit about it throughout the week, but it's kind of crazy, was soda. Yeah. And I immediately started to feel better. Um, Yeah. And I don't drink a lot of soda. You and I were just talking about this, but I don't drink a ton. What about you? Right. I'm the same way. I, um, and I have to say, I've been trying to cut back on the soda ever since after the holidays. And so usually if I do choose to have soda, it's eight to 16 ounces within a day and that's it. So it's like one glass of. Right. Pop. Yeah. Um, and I was telling, I mean, I was sharing with you, I, my diarrhea issues were reduced probably by about half. I am I haven't woken up and had to have diarrhea first thing in the morning every single day. Like that's normally how I start my day. See, and that's and, crazy. Yeah. I know. So, and I think, you know, but if you think about it, usually I would have my soda at night with dinner. Oh, sure. Yep, same. And so then then my body processes it and I wake up needing to shit my brains out. <laughs> So I, it got me thinking. So I decided to do a little research on soda and um, I shared with you the link. Um, I absolutely love Healthline. You and I were just talking about this earlier. I think it's a great resource for health information. Everything is cited so that you can go see the actual scientific study, which, um, is, nice. which is really nice. And so I find it a very great information to at least find some basic um, research material on different health issues. It um, has a whole section, kind of like a trending section, you know, what's new, different things like that, what's going on in the health world. And, you know, I always like to look at their mission and their about us page and on healthline.com <clears throat> about us, they're big, like in big black, it just says, you're on a journey to health and wellness and we're right there with you. And how you affect 
um, how you feel affects every single day of your life, which is why you work so hard to get well and stay well. So no matter what your journey is, we're here to support, guide, and inspire you. They th- nice. cut through confusion and try to make it straightforward, expert-reviewed, person-first experiences to help make the best decisions for yourself. So that's like why Healthline is here. That's and awesome. So, yeah. And then um, the other thing that I really loved was in there about us, they talk about that they cover all facets of physical and mental health openly and objectively because they're here for the whole person, for your whole life. And a lot of times what I've seen on a lot of the health websites or blogs is it's very focused on like food and fitness, but mental health is like nowhere to be found. And your body can't run the way it's supposed to if your mental health is out of line. And so if you guys haven't started listening to our Pursuing Your Patronus podcast, you definitely should because it's all about mental health and it's sharing um, a lot of really rough stories. But the light is that everybody that you listen to got through that or are yep. working through it. And so they have some great things to share. And it's also nice because we're not just telling you what's happening, but hopefully we're providing solutions as well. Like right yeah. now. Things that worked for us and or are working or that we're working through. I mean, honestly. So, um, so yes, that's a little bit about Healthline.com. But what did you think about the article I sent you about soda? Yeah, so I definitely thought it was um, really interesting. And I liked how it was informative, like up to a certain point. Like you were saying and how they kind of describe, they give you like the basic information and they lay it out very um, easy to read and to digest mentally mm-hmm. and whatnot. So, and then I see the links here that will take me to, well, I want to read more on that and mm-hmm. I can do so. But um, the one that stuck out to me that you sent to me the most uh, was the liver situation and how mm-hmm. I understand how important your liver is, but it's one of those organs where I mainly hear about it because of alcohol. Right. Because you think you think liver, liver failure. Exactly. Because liver you failure. drink too much alcohol because you're and an it's alcoholic. cleansing you because like, oh, don't worry. I'm just going to kill my liver. Like, right. Tonight. I, you know, don't worry. My, I'm just going to filter all this alcohol. Yeah. And, but there's your liver, our livers do so much. It's ridiculous. And, um, it's one of the only organs in our body that can regenerate, um, which is crazy. So like, if you donate half your liver, your liver will grow back. Ooh, that's like human evolution. Like, right. Isn't that crazy? Trying to get somewhere. (laughs) And so we already have this like amazing organ in our body and we fucking destroy it. But yes, I thought it was really interesting the why behind the impact of soda on your liver. Um, So we found this really great uh, article and we're just going to go down this list of the reasons why soda is bad for your health. There is absolutely no shaming about drinking soda. It's very scientific. Just Mm -hmm. this is what it does. You can choose to do what you want, but this is what it does. These are the facts. So let's run down some of those facts. Sarah, you got number one. Number one. Um, well, as predicted, sugary drinks do not make you feel full and are strongly linked to weight gain. Mm. 
okay. And I feel like we all know about the weight gain, but I was intrigued by the feel full part. Well, I should say everybody should know about the weight gain if you're in America, because that is like our leading issue. (laughs) (laughs) Number one country for obesity. Right. (laughs) Why? Probably because of the amount of soda that we drink. Um, I was watching, or no, my husband Paul was reading Reddit, and he came across this person, and this was pre-COVID, it was like two years ago, um, from the UK that had come and visit the visit the United States. And they were posting on um, a Reddit forum about visiting the United States. And they oh. said, basically, everybody in the United States is pre-diabetic because of the amount of sugar that we consume. And so it got me intrigued. And we you're you are very, very correct. A lot of other countries don't consume soda like we do. No, they don't. I believe it's because like there's there's a lot of different reasons. I mean, you have money is one. You have um, FDA approving different things for the Mm -hmm. U.S. that they wouldn't approve other way. Right. And then other countries, they they want to use natural ingredients, so like mm-hmm. real sugar and whatnot, yeah. instead of the drinks that use corn syrup. Mm. Damn, that's crazy. So let's run down some of these facts then under the sugary drinks. You know, fact number one about soda, why it's bad for your health. They make you gain weight and they don't make you feel full. Yep. Um. So a lot of them, the most common form of added sugar is sucrose. That's table sugar. Um, and that supplies large amounts of the simple sugar fructose because it breaks down. When you eat like oatmeal or something that is more of a complex carbohydrate, then your body breaks it down differently and it breaks it down into glucose. And so it's like how you're digesting your food is supposed to lower your hunger hormone, which I'm reading. Yeah. Triggering your brain. So essentially we all know that our brain is pretty much connected to every part of our body because it's what's controlling us or how we control our body. But it, is also doing things where we are not aware of. So like our heart beating and our food digesting, we don't focus on that. So the brain set up a way to have signals transfer from these different organs up to it. So it can keep track and they can communicate. So yeah, like stop eating. You're full now. Exactly. Like, our sense of fullness is not actually the always the food physically being in our stomach. Right. It and that's can why, be our brain talking to us. Right. And that's why they say you're supposed to eat slower, right? Exactly. So that way the communication between your stomach and your brain, it has more time to happen. And that mm-hmm. way you get that sense of fullness sooner rather than you're like, eating two plates in and you're mm. like, Oh, now I'm oh, getting shit. that message. <laughs> now I've overeaten and I'm on a exactly. throw up. Yeah. Um, that's interesting. And it makes sense based upon, you know, there was this one sentence in this, this section of the article that was like a slap in the face. And it was when you consume liquid sugar, which I love that that's what they call it throughout mm-hmm. this article. When you consume liquid sugar, cause that's essentially what it is. You're adding it on top of your total cal- calorie intake normally. 
Mm-hmm. And because you don't feel full, it's not triggering anything. You just eat more. And so it, the article said that um, people who drink sugary soda in addition to their current diet usually consume 17 more, 17% more calories than before. And 17% is actually quite a bit. That's what I was about to do the math. I'm like, okay, so that is 340 additional calories in a day if you're eating a 2,000 calorie diet, which and if you're drinking a lot of sugar and soda. Three. Right? Uh, oh, it just says yes, one study. One study. So, we don't, mm-hmm. so we're not sure how much. So that's what I would like to know more of, which – let me go to the article, right? Right, exactly. Okay, let's see here. In a crossover design, seven males and eight females consumed dietary carbohydrate carbohydrate loads of 1880 kilojoules per day as a liquid for soda um, or solid jelly beans <laughs> during two four-week periods separated by a four-week washout. Oh, they were allowed to consume them however they wanted. See, so that's interesting to me because I I am curious about what if you do it throughout the day? What if you, what if there's, are there peak times of your metabolism working? You know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. Well, and we already know that there are peak times when your metabolism is working because yeah. we know, like, there's clearly a difference from when you're active to when you're sleeping. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So that's number one. You won't feel full if you drink soda, people, and you most likely will gain weight because you're, you're working adding, that liver. <laughs> yep, and you're adding. Yeah, and that's the next one is all about the liver. So this is crazy. Large amounts of sugar are turned into fat in your liver, and so this article breaks down the science behind it, which is really cool. All right, so my understanding uh, from this uh, post is that, as we were kind of mentioning before, it's not just specific items that your liver cleans out. It's everything that you're eating. So the fructose (laughs) from the sugars that we were just talking about um, can only be metabolized by the liver. So the glucose, the good stuff that is working with your brain to tell it, hey, we're getting some food. Okay, stop eating. We're full. They they don't actually go through the liver only. Your whole body's working with the glucose. But with fructose yep. and sugar, it is literally just your liver. And this is where things kind of started coming together for me because like science wise, because that makes sense. Like why all these athletes would talk about glucose and carb loading in a specific way. Yeah. I can only eat certain things. And it's because it's literally being metabolized by every cell in your body versus you drink a sugary soda or something that's like just fructose and only your liver can process that. So when we're putting just fructose into our body over and over again, your liver is getting completely overloaded. When they even have something for that now, other than weight gain, but it says over time, this can contribute to non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. So it's getting to the point where the disease is, has transformed. Like it comes up 
not only from alcohol, like what I personally have always heard. Yeah. And I um, know somebody that has fatty liver disease that does not drink alcohol. And he was diagnosed with it at like 30. And it was insane. And it was because of the amount of soda and stuff that he was drinking and eating and just crap that he was putting into his body. And essentially your liver is supposed to have fat, right? Right. But it's supposed to be um, like 5% or less. And if you have more than that, then you're considered to have a fatty liver. Drinking too much alcohol is definitely a huge role. But what they're finding is that now they are um, fatty liver disease is becoming so common that they think about 25% of the people in the entire world have fatty liver disease. Wow. Isn't that insane? And it's all because of of what we're putting in our body. Um, And, but what's crazy is it's reversible at that stage. Yeah. Anyway. And (laughs) and how, so with fatty liver, um, oh, I clicked on the link to find out what is the way that you can go ahead and get rid of that uh, or oh, uh-huh. help cure it and whatnot. Um, so I assume that you start consuming different, um, in my mind, they're drinks and liquids, mm. but I assume mm. they don't have to be liquid, but Mom gave us the liver rescue book. Yes. And that book talks all about the miracle of celery, right? Mm -hmm. And I don't know if I 100% buy into it just quite yet. Mm -hmm. And I might be a little biased because it sounds gross to juice the celery. Right. Sounds like water, honestly. Right. (laughs) With a hint of other vitamins and minerals <laughs> right um, just a little spicy <sighs> right but so that's what i immediately think of um but the article here goes into more than just that it mm-hmm. and for some people they may not be willing to do these things because it's it can be hard to kind of let go and which actually i'll talk about a little bit about letting go of like drinking pop and like getting back into like a healthy diet Mm -hmm. but it it says to lose weight stop overeating cut back on the carbs um obviously uh, start eating healthier fruit foods that don't add the fat Mm -hmm. to the liver so it's all your typical response like your liver is fat it's the same situation if as if you were overweight how are you going yeah. to lose that weight in a healthy manner mm-hmm. yeah um i haven't done enough research on celery yet either um i think that may be a research thing that we do um because i know about milk thistle so that is one thing that they talked about in the fatty liver article about mal- milk thistle is an herb And it has, like, a liver-protecting effects and uh, um, can help cleanse your liver. And so it can be um, combined with vitamin E, and it's supposed to help with, like, inflammation and liver damage reversal and things like that. Now, we have a friend who is a chemist, 
and he confirmed Milk Thistle. Yeah. Um, for us as well. Probably like last year. I don't even know if you remember that conversation. No. Um, but Milk Thistle will help to clean out your liver. Anyway, but I would love to do more research on celery, but I wonder if it has similar properties as Milk Thistle. And that's a, why, um, a reason why. Because as you guys know, I've been doing some research on um, terpenes mm-hmm. in food and cannabis specifically is what we've talked about. And celery does have the same terpenes as some of the cannabis products that I use for inflammation, um, for pain. And so it's um, caryophylline, I believe, is the terpene that celery has. Um, let me look really fast. Fast terpene. Man, if celery is like the magical food that everybody should be like eating, I'll be so shocked because I feel like not even dietitians or the I guess the healthy articles or um, stories that you hear about. They don't include celery at all. They actually suggest like celery is one of like the most useless. Because it's mostly water. Exactly. Because it's mostly water and you're burning more calories than you're actually intaking. But if there's more than just calories there. Right. Exactly. Um, There's. Well, and that's what's crazy to me is. They're still discovering terpenes. Yeah. They're still discovering different types of CBD, CBG, CB, blah, blah, blah. There's so much we don't know. And I guess that's my, like, I, I, I believe it. Yeah. You know, I'm going to do some more research, but I am completely convinced most likely there's shit we don't know about celery, you know, at least yeah. at that, at some level, there's shit we don't know. Um, But yes, caryophylline is the first known dietary cannabinoid. So it's a common component of food that is um, recognized as safe status, blah, 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 blah. But caryophylline um, contributes to the spiciness of black pepper. So it's in black pepper. It's in cloves, rosemary, cannabis. Um, Obviously, that's why I know about it. (laughs) Um, But it's insane because it has proven to um, help with Alzheimer's-like disease types, help with anxiety and depression, help with human tumor um, cell growth, suppressing tumor growth. So we know it helps with treatment of pain, inflammation, osteoporosis, um, colitis. So we're talking about, you know, issues, diabetes, all these different things, liver fibrosis. Sorry, I'm going down a freaking long list here. So we know that scientists have actually studied that. And they're starting to discover this. Yes. And it's been proven. But yeah, you know, the cannabis industry in the United States is pretty fucked up because it's not federally legal. And so we'll get there eventually. But I think about um, countries that have had cannabis legalized um, federally, like Canada, And the amount of hopefully scientific study that they'll be able to do and start to link some of these things that show up in cannabis and in our food Mm -hmm. and help people see, oh, I don't have to smoke something and hurt my lungs. I could eat a stick of celery a day. Right. Do X, Y and Z. 
And maybe I only smoke for enjoyment or I don't need to smoke at all or, you know, whatever. But it's just really interesting to me that all of there's all these similarities between all these plants. And then we have proven data that shows these can help with X, Y, and Z, but yet we don't want to look into the cannabis side where things are like the dots aren't getting connected. Right, exactly. It's like they're still separating the two when in right. fact they're they they're should the be same. combining forces to talk to basically fight the whole health issue, like right. health yeah. concerns. Exactly. Um anyway, so fatty liver. That was number two, people. We got thirteen of these to go through, so <laughs> <laughs> number three. Number three. Uh, Sugar drastically increases belly fat accumulation. Yes. So this one, I think we know, it kind of goes back to the weight gain. But fructose is linked to a significant increase in a specific dangerous type of fat around your belly and your organs. And it's known as visceral fat or belly fat. And, you know, um, they talk about like apple shapes, um, people's shapes, you know. Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. An apple shape is a dangerous, quote, shape, just because it means you're holding most of your weight in the middle section of your body, which is around all of your, um, your vital organs. Your organs. Yeah. And so people that consume beverages that are sweetened with either fructose or glucose, because again, we talked about you're adding calories on top of what you're eating it's just they're going and they're seeing an increase in not just fat in general, but specifically in their belly fat, which then increases your likelihood of heart disease and um, the fatty liver and all of those things that we just talked about earlier. Diabetes. Diabetes. Exactly. Um, yeah. So it's kind of interesting. That one was really simple, but because yeah. it's basically like there's like three of these. It's like, hey, guess what? You get that. Yeah, we, we get that. We understand. All right. We've been told this is an issue. quite a bit. <laughs> right. Uh, so number four is actually, um, I think, something that we're aware of as well. But sugary soda can cause insulin resistance. Yeah, I feel like this one is where it's on the line. Mm-hmm. Where for me, I knew they were tied together only because of like uh, family history. And different family members that we have. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was not aware that it was actually, like, confirmed and proven. Yeah, it's totally proven. I mean, they know, like, if you drink this, you're you're basically tricking your body. You're not tricking your body. You're adding sugar into your blood. And so your pancreas produces insulin because it has to... like consume or remove that it has to level things out so you don't have like a sugar issue and that's what it's supposed to do well if you keep putting all of these sugar sugary drinks in your body becomes less and less resistant to the insulin so i think it takes more insulin your body has to produce more in order for you to do that or then it just stops producing insulin altogether right your body is like oh you're doing this for me like i don't gotta be here right and then you become insulin dependent and have type 2 diabetes 
So it's kind of crazy. Um, but again, I think that we all know that, but it's one of those things that if, unless it's happening to you, there's a, a, a easy way to get into a mentality of, I don't have to worry about that. It's not impacting me. I feel fine. Right, exactly. I haven't been diagnosed with diabetes. Maybe you don't even have family members that have been diagnosed with diabetes. That does not mean that you can't get it. And that doesn't mean that you're not already pre-diabetic or like it's one of those things, especially with type 2 diabetes, that it's damage done over time. Yeah. And your body basically gets to a point where it's like, I can no longer sustain this. I can't do this anymore. And so it stops. Yeah. Um, you know, this is really good for us because it makes me really not want to drink soda at all. It's very bad for you. I'm getting slapped in the face with truth. Right, and exactly. I'm, and I'm 37, almost 38. The older that we get, the harder it is to correct damage already done. And at, at this point, you know, I could be on my way to being diabetic. I think about all those fucking Valentine's hearts that I just ate over the last couple of weeks. Well, and I think about my chocolate addiction, and mm. I'm like, that has a lot of sugar in it. <laughs> yeah, that, that I mean, yeah. If you're reading it and you're reading, if you're really reading the words in this article, it's about sugar. Right. It's versus fructose. <laughs> it's about fructose and glucose and how the liquid sugar makes it super dangerous because you're not chewing, you know, anyway. So, yeah. Um. so on that note, number six is sugary soda contains, guess what? No essential nutrients, just, just sugar. sugar. <laughs> no vitamins, no minerals, no fiber. It adds nothing to your diet except excessive amounts of sugar and unnecessary calories. Imagine that. Yep. Yeah, I think we know that. That's pretty, pretty set in stone. This next um, one, I had no idea what it was. Yeah, this one, um, I had to do a little bit more reading on, but it says sugar may cause leptin resistance. And I didn't know what leptin is, but apparently it is a hormone um, produced by our fat cells. Yeah, and I didn't know our fat cells produced hormones. No, I I'm a little bit worried because I got a lot of fat cells. Are they all producing <laughs> this shit? Can I tell them to stop? Well, yes, you can control uh, your fat cells, which then therefore controls the leptin that is produced. But so leptin isn't bad, though. It uh, helps regulate the number of calories you eat and burn. It kind of when I was reading it, it uh, about it, it reminded me also about anorexic people that um, get to a point where they cannot they can't lose any additional weight and it's because anything that they're eating I'm this leptin hormone trigger because it's also the starvation hormone mm -hmm. and so if you're not eating enough calories your body goes into quote starvation mode and it's this hormone being produced and and that's why like heavy people can still be anorexic but your body you won't lose weight right away and it's because your body goes into this starvation mode of like trying to expel the least amount of energy to keep you alive. Yeah. And so it doesn't want to lose weight. It wants to keep all of that stored energy because essentially mm -hmm. that's what it is. But that that's how I was reading about or what I was reading about that hormone too. When that also makes sense because you hear a lot of times like people who 
force their body into that mode, into mm-hmm. starvation mode, because then they start doing other things on top of that mm-hmm. to help tell the body, no, we need to get rid of this fat. Like this, you're not actually starving. Yeah. Like, we just need to get rid of this fat. Mm-hmm. Whether or not I find that healthy, I'm not sure. I haven't. I think, I, I think that's shocking to the system, in my opinion. But I haven't right? done any research, to your point. Exactly. Like, I, it sounds rough, but ultimately, maybe our bodies can handle it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, one thing that I found really awesome, though, about the leptin resistance is that it seems to be completely uh, reversible. Mm-hmm. If you start to eat a better diet and you get off the sugar, then in animals anyway, it reverses itself. Next one up, sugary soda might be addictive. What? Imagine that. What? Um, this totally makes sense to me. And this part of the article talks about um, the chemicals that are released in your brain because of how it makes you feel and how it tastes. And you and I, um, you guys, if you haven't heard us talk about food and endorphins and all of that, you're missing out. So go back to the beginning of the podcast and listen if you haven't already. Um, But food in general releases a lot of endorphins and dopamine and feel-good hormones. And so sugar obviously is giving us that almost instantaneous release because it's liquid. Mm-hmm. and getting right into our bloodstream and all of that. And then it becomes addictive because we want to feel that way again. Yep. Well, and, and I have to say, like you're mentioning before, they've talked about it. It's the whole chocolate situation. Yeah. Like I am addicted to chocolate. I admit that. I know it. And you love it. You're not so ready to good. break up. no I had some last night (laughs) yeah right um it's hard to prove like addiction in humans because you know we lie we have higher functioning brain you know all of those things but one thing that they did say is that the um binging on sugar has similar effects in certain people as um like drugs like yeah hard drugs (laughs) cocaine and heroin and those kind of things so it gives us that feeling that euphoric feeling And so it's so tempting to go down the street and be like, oh, there's a Coke machine. We have a Coca-Cola plant um, by where my husband used to work. And they're 25 cents for a can of Coke. (gasps) What? Right. I know. I shouldn't be telling people this. We're supposed to be trying to get people off the soda. All right. And so he would go and buy them. But it's so easy to just crack that top. And you and I have even had the, oh, God, I just want some bubbles. Yeah, just, you know, I just want some bubbles. That's that's an addictive comment if I've ever heard one in my life. Yeah, it sure is. Because the, there's nothing like literally there is nothing good about the bubbles other than getting that sense like that feeling like of happiness from it. That's it. And usually that would be OK, except the sugary drinks are not good for you. So therefore, it's not OK. Right. You know, and some people have tried like the bubbly waters, you know, and all those. Yeah, but I'm, those I'm are becoming popular. I'm wondering if there's the same hormone release and all of that because there's no sugar in those. I'm wondering if the same kind of like euphoria is occurring mm-hmm. um, because it certainly doesn't for me. When I drink a LaCroix, and I like LaCroix, but when I drink one, my comments are always like, oh, it's. 
tastes like a raspberry farted in my mouth or, you know, something like that. It's not, oh, mm, mm. like, and that's how when I crack a Coke open, take that first sip. It's like, mm, where you've been my whole life, you know, right. uh, actually, usually what I say is, ah, mother's milk, just like <laughs> from oh my gosh. the nexus. Um, anyway. Well, and I have to say, for me personally, it doesn't release the same feeling because I have yet to find one that I really enjoy. Yeah. I just, I do not like bubbly water. It does not taste good. You're like, I am liking this. (laughs) I am liking this. I'm liking it. Maybe. Tastes just like a Coke. Just like a Coke. Trying to convince yourself. Yeah. Uh, Um. So the next one, Sarah, was all about heart disease risk. Yes, sugary beverages may increase heart disease risk, which I find it interesting that they say may. I feel like this is pretty much, like, confirmed. They don't have to be nice about it. Right, and and everything before this talked about, like, oh, adding fat around your midsection. That increases heart disease risk, (laughs) you know, adding all of these things. So, yeah. And they go on to talk about how, like, they did a 20-year study Mm. on 40,000 men, specifically, who, like me, uh, would only drink one drink a day or whatnot. A sugary drink, yep. A sugary drink. So, So that sounds to me as if it's not excessive drinking, but Mm -hmm. even for them, 20% higher of a risk. That is insane. One that, soda a day. Yeah, 20%. And it says 20% higher risk of having or dying from a heart attack. Um, which in my mind means, you know, some of those 40,000 men probably did die of a heart attack. And obviously there's other factors, but I mean, that's a pretty high percentage for just one soda a day. And I don't I mean, think average Americans drink one a day. I think it's more like 24 ounces. If you think about how much you go to a drive-thru and get a large soda, I mean, that's consuming like almost a quart of product in a day. Let's see here. For pop specifically, within the U.S., um, it says for the whole year... Uh, 38.87 gallons per person in the year of 2018. Per person? 38 gallons? Uh-huh. That's more than a gallon a month. That's more than two gallons. That's more than three gallons a month. Sorry, I had to do the math, people. <laughs> You're going down the line. <laughs> three gallons a month? That's almost a gallon a week. Almost. Holy well, you shit. think about, like... It go like I can understand on a daily basis. People are drinking pop on a daily basis. It goes by fast. Like you're sucking it down. Wow. Cause like we said at the very beginning, you don't get the sensation of being full, so you just keep going. Yeah. And if and then well, some people start their days that way too. They go to a Seven oh. Eleven. They get a big gulp, and they're like, I'm, "This will get me through the day." That's their caffeine intake. Yeah. Well, and their sugar, because, I mean, it does give you some energy, right? Yeah. But then it's they're not the, eating anything else. Think about it. It's oh the, my God. Fake ca- the fake um, 
It's like the simple sugar. Oh, fake energy. energy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what, sorry, I lost the word. I was fake energy because. Yeah, it's not like sustained. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Hmm. All right. So let's talk about one that hits a little closer to home. Um, cancer risk. Yeah. With soda. Um, you know, we've had people in our family um, die of cancer. Um, we have people in our family that have cancer, you know, things that we're experiencing going on, et cetera. And um, Healthline talks about specifically in this article that the cancer tends to go hand in hand with other chronic diseases like obesity, type 2 diabetes and heart disease. So I don't feel like this is unknown, right, to all of us. Um, Maybe and it even says that it's just... like it's not surprising to see that it's here. <laughs> Right, exactly. Maybe some people just haven't connected the dots. Yeah. But this next part, the study that they talk about, I was mm-hmm. like, what the actual fuck? Well, uh, there's two parts. Of this. Anyway, yeah, okay. Give us the stats because right. we just went over the average amount of intake. <laughs> yep. Okay, so the average amount of intake people was about a gallon a week, a little less, okay? Mm-hmm. <sighs> so in this article, Sarah, Healthline quotes a study um, of over 60,000 adults, and they discovered that within those adults, if they those who drank two or more sugary sodas per week were 87% more likely to develop pancreatic cancer than those who didn't drink soda. 87% more likely. Oh, my gosh. And I was like, oh, my God. And then, then it gets deeper. Then they're like, oh, and if you're a woman, it's even stronger in you. Then it gets even deeper. Like, this whole section just really hit close to home. And then, then they're like, oh, and if you're postmenopausal, which I am, people, because remember, I've had all of my female organs ripped out of me. Mm-hmm. And you happen to drink a lot of sugary soda, then you're even at a greater risk for endometrial cancer, which I don't have to worry about because I don't have that. I don't have a uterus. Um, And the cancer, the lining of your uterus. And so I was like, holy shit. I think about the women in my life, like mom, grandma, you know, things like that. And it's just the sugar sweetened beverages are insane. But then... Then it hits home with our poop issues. What's more, it says. What's more? Because it just throws it in there like a little nugget of information. (laughs) Sugar-sweetened beverage intake is linked to cancer recurrence and death in patients with colorectal cancer. Yeah. Which we have SIBO. I have been diagnosed with IBSD. Mm -hmm. So colorectal issues... And having the issues that we do, we're already at an increased risk. And I'm just like, oh, my God, sugar is the devil. Sugar is legit the devil. Well, and so going back to those numbers, mm-hmm. 60,000 adults and those that drink only two or more sugary sodas per the week. So two within the week. Within and yet- a week. And we've already confirmed, on average, people are drinking just under a gallon. Right. So I want people to understand how much this is. Okay. So let's just do the math. An average size of a soda can is 12 ounces. Okay. When you Mm -hmm. go and get a Coke can, it's 12 ounces. If you drink two a week, that's 24 ounces. Mm -hmm. Most people in the United States are drinking 
Let me get close to my mic. 128 ounces a week. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's This so is why that person much. from Europe said, all these fucking Americans are pre-diabetic. They don't know what the fuck they're doing. Um, right. Like, holy shit. No, and I have to say, this is starting to get me nervous on a whole other level. So for me, I... Like, what we were kind of talking about before, I cut back on, like, pop and everything, sugary stuff, after the holidays. And I say cut back because I'm not the type of person who can go cold turkey, really. I yeah, It doesn't go well for me. I end up breaking, and it well, gets much worse. <laughs> and for me, and I don't know if you're similar, but for me, if I do that, if I go, I'm not going to have any of something, it's all I can fucking think about. Yeah, I'm like, exactly. Well, but I just look at that Coke sitting. It's like it's doing a seductive little dance for me in the corner. And it's like, oh, yeah, do it. Let that condensation slide down the can. Slide down, slide it down. And you're just like, I can't wait to crack you open and pour so, you in a glass full of ice. Yeah. People, <laughs> addiction. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. But, like, I'm now thinking about my son. Mm-hmm. And how we oh, we soda. limit him on mm-hmm. sugary drinks because yeah. I knew before obviously sugar's not good. I don't want him to become overweight. Like he's already a tank of a kid. He mm-hmm. does not need assistance. On... Yeah, he's built like his dad for sure. Right. So it I limit him to like one juice a day or maybe one specialty like pop drink a day. I feel like I need to cut that down even more now. Like, yeah, like once a week. Exactly. Or try to find an alternative to something, like something else that he enjoys. Right. Like, obviously, I'll read the nutrition labels. I'll find maybe substitutes that he'll enjoy and whatnot. But he's only eight. He has a little mm-hmm. body. Mm-hmm. Not an adult. Yeah. And they don't do a lot of these studies on kids, obviously, for obvious right. reasons. Right. Um, Because they're not like 87% increase in death in children under the age of six. Uh, Like, you don't want to test that out. Who's the doctor that wants to have their name attached (laughs) to that? Right. It's the name of the lady uh, in the Hansel and Gretel house. Mm -hmm. She would be the doctor that would test that out out on children. Right. Come eat my house. See what happens. It's made of sugar. So number 12, we are almost there, people. We got two more to go. Number 12 hits home oh, on a personal no, level. No. Oh, I'm sorry. 11. Oh, shit. Number 11. Uh, number 11 also hits home on a personal level. Yeah. The sugar and acids and soda are a disaster for dental health. Yes. Now, I have personally never had fillings or anything until after my son was born. Mm-hmm. Okay. Pregnancy. We'll have to have an episode just on what pregnancy does to your body as a woman. Um, in digestion and things. But... Um, what it does do also is leach calcium and shit like that out of your body. And so I started getting, um, cavities when, and needing fillings and stuff after I had my son. So luckily I made it until I was like in my mid to late twenties. Um, so I had great oral health, but now my doctors have actually, or my doctor, my dentist has actually told me, oh, you're a sipper, aren't you? And I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, you're a sipper. Do you like coffee? And I'm like, yeah, I love coffee. And she's like, well, do you just like drink it all at once and then you're done? Or do you like sip it over the course of like an hour? 
I'm like, of course I sip it. Who the fuck, like, chugs pounds chugs it? <laughs> and she's like, well, you should. And I'm like, what do you mean? Well, you're allowing that sugary... Because I like a latte, right? So I have milk, right, which has lactose in it, which is milk sugar. Um, and I have, like, my coffee syrups, like, you know, sugar, 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 sugar. It, this literally... This article isn't just about soda. It's about sugary drinks, right? Right. And so... The only thing beneficial really in my coffee is the milk because it does have some protein, you know, things that are maybe good for people in general, but probably not me because it makes my tummy upset. Um, We're talking about soda people. Stop judging me on my coffee intake. Anyway, so but what they asked me is if I sip it because that sugar then hangs out in your mouth longer and builds up this bad bacteria and eats away at the coating. They could tell. They could totally tell. And then they're like, do you drink wow. soda? And I was like, yes. And they're like, do you sip your soda? Yes. I like to enjoy Like, because of that hormone experience that we yeah. talked about earlier, I like to enjoy it. If I'm going to well, drink see, it, I want to enjoy it. And for me, I have to sip it because it's so instantaneously on my gut mm-hmm. that I cannot chug soda. It will make oh, me yeah. sick. I'll throw up if I right. chug it. If I don't chug it, I'll just get diarrhea later. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Yep. I can control that a little bit more. Um, Anyway, so I now have even more. I have to get fillings later this month. Um, Oh, my gosh. Really? Yeah. I have more fillings I have to get. And so it's it's really impactful to your teeth. But mine is specifically just because of... um, how I drink my beverages and my dentist could totally tell. And so they're trying to encourage me to chug it. And I'm like, so what else can I do? Cause I can tell you right now that's not going to happen. Right. Right. <laughs> um, they're like brush your teeth right after you drink. Yeah. Sugary things. And to ironically bring gum. Um, everywhere you go. Gum has a, most gum has, um, I'll look up the name of the compound, but a specific chemical in it like xylitol or something like that. And it's good for your oral health. Oh, that's um, interesting. Yeah. So let me see here. When the article also talks about pop specifically about the acids in it. And I know I brought that up uh, an episode or two ago about mm-hmm. what, like how does carbonation happen? Like people know what carbonation is, but they don't mm-hmm. actually know like what it is and you're basically breakdown of it right exactly like you understand oh it makes my drink bubbly yeah but how is it doing that and it's Mm -hmm. just acid it's a chemical reaction yeah right exactly so now you're not only consuming the acid but that acid is being laid on your teeth yeah it's eating away the enamel on your teeth (laughs) yeah exactly um And there's two types of acid that are commonly found in uh, soda, and it's phosphoric acid and carbonic acid. And um, they're both, I mean, they're both terrible for you. It just creates an environment that's extremely acidic. And then not even to mention that, it doesn't talk about this in this article, but it creates an acidic environment in your gut as well. Yes. Yeah. And we have talked about that in our 
um, podcasts in the past, but that level of acid can be very detrimental because it impacts how you digest your food um, or don't digest your food and also the general feeling of what's going on in your guts. So it is called xylitol. I was wrong. I was correct. Um, but xylitol is um, a unique sugar that prevents plaque buildup because from congregating inside of your mouth. And so it helps to keep your mouth like lubricated, I guess. And part of the reason why chewing gum helps is because it's moving saliva around. Oh. So it's not just sitting in your mouth. And so it's creating this almost like... I don't know if most people know this, but when you wash your hands, like 90% of the germ fighting that you're doing is actually the motion of yeah. the water and your hands. The soap is like 5%. It's not really, <laughs> that's it's not the big deal. An extra. Yeah. Right. And so it's that movement. And so chewing gum creates that movement in your mouth. So it's making sure that those, that, that bacteria is not just sitting there, like eating away. Um, and then the actual xylitol, which is in most gum, if you chew it, it's helping to fight the plaque because of the way that that sugar works and um, the chemical compound of the sugar. It actually like uh, encapsulates or whatever, like the other sugars. And so you're like, I don't know, getting it off of your teeth. So I keep gum in my car for that reason. Yeah, so it encapsulates it and whatnot and that would make sense of like why they're saying it's somewhat like healthier because then either your saliva will just carry it away off of your teeth mm -hmm. or you would brush your teeth afterwards and scrubbing your teeth would get rid of what was just laying on top now mm -hmm. that the gum helped with um but for my dental history um I actually, at a younger age, was told by the dentist, like, he was working on my teeth, like, cleaning them. And I, this is the one aspect of my life that I can always say that I have got lucky on is my teeth. Because I mm -hmm. have never had any serious issues with my teeth. I've always gotten compliments from the dentists on them. And they have told me that for whatever reason my body produces more saliva than mm. normal and they contribute my good dental hygiene to my saliva specifically mm. so it's not just because like i'm brushing my teeth and i am not a flosser until mm -hmm. recently yeah but yeah it's just my saliva my saliva is taking care of my mouth <laughs> so then that makes sense when i was talking about the gum Exactly. It's yeah. Pretty, yeah. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I was I've always even now because I have issues now with the cavities, but they look at my teeth and they can tell. And so funny, you've probably gotten this, but they can always tell that we grew up in areas where there was fluoride in the water. Yeah. And they're like, oh, you didn't grow up in Spokane, did you? Right. Like, no. I, you know, army brat group. Oh, we can tell there's fluoride in your water because you got nice teeth. And so, um, and yes, we've been very lucky. Neither of us had to have braces. Our teeth are relatively straight. You know, yeah. we almost have the exact same teeth. It's yeah. kind of creepy. We'll post a picture on our blog of that. We'll have to do that. <laughs> um, okay. So then number 12. <laughs> Soda drinkers have a drastically increased risk of gout. Oh my gosh. Really? Yeah, I have had gout people. That's I, why I'm so excited. Not yeah. gout is horrible. It is oh. one of the worst. Gout 
now, okay, just to put this into context, and this is like way TMI, whatever. I've had three major abdominal surgeries, a laparoscopic abdominal surgery. I had a breast abscess that they had to drain without anesthetic. Um, I've had both my nipples pierced. I've had tattoos. I've had, you know, my date pierced, which is a painful ear piercing. Um, I have never in my life experienced the kind of pain that I had when I had my gout attack. And that was, like, I was in the ER and they gave me, um, it's like the most power, one of the most powerful narcotics that they can give you for pain relief. I forget what it was called. Um, I'll have to look it up, but, and it would wear off after like three minutes because I was in so much pain. Um, so well, now you remember you saying like the weight of the top sheet on your bed yep. <laughs> was causing so much pain and like, imagine that like the weight of a feather mm-hmm. is causing intense pain. Yeah. It's, it was in, it's crazy. And I, you know, they would ask me like, do you drink a lot of alcohol? No. Do you eat a lot of red meat? No, I eat lots of chicken, you know? I, right. And because gout is said to be like the king's disease <laughs> because mm-hmm. usually it's from eating a lot of sugary fat, you know, rich foods. Um, but it develops in your joints. It's a, it's a type of inflammation and you have a high level of uric acid in your blood And it starts to crystallize. And if you actually understand what crystallizing is and how crystallizing makes sure that there's as many possible, as much surface area as possible. Right. Right. So it's very sharp shards. Mm -hmm. And then because you now have crystals in your bloodstream and building up in your joints and things like that. Well, then when you move or just sit there, it's very extremely painful. Hurts, yeah. Yeah. Um, so but what was crazy is that long term studies that have tied sugary soda to a five 75% um increased risk of gout in women and uh 50% in men. But that 75% in women was crazy because normally you don't hear about women with gout. It's mostly men. Right, exactly. Men and gout would always go hand in hand. Like mm-hmm. Especially when you're reading about like hundred of years ago, like it's it was usually men that you would read about. Yeah, yeah. So gout is a real thing. It's not something I feel like people hear about very often. It is extremely painful, but it's one of those things that is um, manageable, reversible with like your diet and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. You can have chronic gout, and then you have to go on a specific medication to keep the uric uric acid levels in your blood lower. Um, And that's the medication that they put you on when you have an attack to help to get rid of the crystals. So, yeah, but I've experienced gout and I wouldn't be surprised if it was because I was drinking a lot of sodas. It was around the time when I was traveling a lot for work. Yeah. And you eat in restaurants all the time. Like Mm -hmm. you're, and so then the soda flows. It's like you order one and it's never empty. So when like you're sitting like traveling too, like you're just sitting there a lot of the time, like yeah. you're sitting in the plane, you're sitting in the airport, sitting mm-hmm. in the car and then you go to work and you're sitting at work like it's. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of stagnant movement, no non movement. Yep, exactly. This last one, number 13. Last it, one on the list. And kind of honestly, the one that kind of nailed 
my coffin shut on, I need to stop soda. Yeah. And it's the increased risk of dementia. Which runs in our family. Yeah. And it's something that is so impactful to the people around you and not to put you on the spot. We can totally cut this out, but you and Brian have experienced just a peek into what this could look like recently. Yeah. It well, And so for me, I experienced it when I was in mm. middle school, I think mm-hmm. it was because we, uh, we, everybody called him uncle Frank and he had Alzheimer's disease and dementia really bad to the point where uh, dad and I went and had lunch with him just to spend some time with him. And he asked me the same question about four times throughout Mm -hmm. lunch. Mm -hmm. And, And it was so sad because you can see like he knows that something wasn't right. He knew that he was forgetting something. So he was fully aware that something was not functioning correctly in his brain, in his Mm -hmm. mind, but he had no control over it. He, he can't, you can't control it. Right. And And it's so hard to see, um, just that confusion, the, I, I know I'm trying to communicate something different to you, but my brain's not allowing me right and how scary that has to feel and like you were saying most recently um Mm -hmm. unfortunately uh, my father-in-law um had to undergo some brain surgery and it it's so sad because not that long ago he was totally fine you can talk to him and communicate with him but then after the surgery he's trying so hard to talk but he can't come up with the right words Mm -hmm. and so he's using words that he's used for like his whole life Mm -hmm. but they they don't make sense to us Mm. so yeah yeah dementia for me like i have i've told brian from the beginning like that's what's going to happen to me most likely when I get older. Like my memory is bad now. Just imagine like when I get older, I'm, it's going to be extremely upsetting. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so, um, what can we do to protect ourselves from that? Not drink soda people. (laughs) Exactly. Um, Because apparently, and thank you for sharing, uh, just because I think that it's, important that people understand like we're not just talking about stuff we haven't experienced yes uncle frank you saw more of that because i wasn't around um yeah you were until the end college stuff yeah and then um but now just seeing it my uh, paul's my husband's grandma um grandma jane is also struggling or suffering from dementia she's in her 80s and she doesn't remember me now, my husband and I, it's not like we've only been married for a couple of years. It's almost been two decades. She's yeah. seen both of our kids be born, um, all of that stuff. So <clears throat> she barely remembers Paul. And when she talks to him, it's like he's still a kid. Like, yeah. anyway, so it's exactly. very impactful. And then you can also tell 
she knows something's wrong. Like, she's confused all yeah. the time. Like, she's saying things, but it's like, that's not right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Searching for a word that's on the tip of your tongue that it's like, right. Like earlier, you were like, it's right there. What was the word I was looking for? Imagine being like that all the time, except for with people you love and. Uh, right, exactly. Things and then. Like that. Unfortunately, like I was lucky enough, my brain was able to remember the word. Yes. They're they're not lucky enough to have that happen. They mm-hmm. they will not think of the word. Right. It's gone. It's gone forever. Yeah. Um. So what the Healthline article talks about is studies that have um, been done that shows that as you incrementally increase your blood sugar, it there's a a direct association in an increased risk of dementia. So the higher your blood sugar, the higher your risk of dementia. Um, And then because it's like such a rapid spike in your blood sugar, when you're drinking liquid sugar, um, it just increases it. Cause it's just basically putting you into this like weird uh, hormonal state essentially. Mm -hmm. And all of those are associated with dementia risk. So yeah. Um, it talks about a study also um, done on rodents that it compared when they drink sugary drinks to the impact on their memory and decision making capabilities. And I find that extremely interesting that if you have people consuming pop on a regular basis that I mean, imagine what people would be like off the drink and like off mm-hmm. anything sugary like decision-making capabilities I just feel like that's extremely important (laughs) well and yeah we talk about how scientists know that we're only accessing a percentage of our brain a small percentage yeah what if that's because we're drinking soda you know (laughs) we're hindering ourselves yeah Uh, yeah absolutely um but I yeah I don't know soda is basically the devil um but, you know, we're all humans and we all have our vices. So I think that I would encourage everybody to stop drinking soda. Try to join Sarah and I as we also try to stop drinking soda, as I totally mm-hmm. just put words in your mouth. Um, no, it's true. Yeah. But after reading all of this, you know, I'm definitely more encouraged to change my habits and um, really try to figure out what can I do to improve my health in the least impactful way and giving up soda really is one of those things well and not only that but so we're saying give up soda and for you listeners you might be like yeah that's great what do i do instead i'm not going to just drink water no and i agree uh for me i've been turning to tea quite a bit um i've been trying different flavors of tea to try and find uh what works best for me Mm -hmm. and then the way I sweeten my tea, quotation marks, is that I just put just a, a little bit of honey. Mm-hmm. And it. I want to do some more research on honey because mm-hmm. this article talks about specifically fructose and glucose. And I want to look at honey because honey obviously has other benefits. So maybe we'll do a research episode on honey. Yeah, that'd be I good. think that would be awesome. Save the bees. Save the bees, people. Also, total side note, Morgan Freeman apparently turned like a whole bunch of acres of his land into a bee sanctuary Good to try him. to save the bees. Yep. I know. I That's thought it was really amazing. awesome. Yeah. So everybody out there, give up sugar, not sugar, give up soda 
probably sugar we should too, but we're not that dire yet. So give up soda (laughs) because drinking high amounts of these super sugary beverages can increase our chance of diabetes, heart disease, cancer, dementia, gout. (laughs) What else was on the list? Dental issues. Dental. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, uh, I feel like, oh, and you might become addicted. So addiction in itself, which is bad. Like addiction is bad. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, So please join us and let us know your thoughts about soda. And if you found any alternatives, we would absolutely love to hear about any alternative drinks um, that are out there. Please share those with us. Thank you, adventurers, for joining us today. We hope this helped you find tips and tricks to loot the booty. Find us on natonelife.com and check us out on social media, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter to follow us more on our day-to-day. May your poop be regular and bubbles minimal. Stay Stay sassy sassy and gassy. gassy. Till next next time. time. Nice. Mounting every day, and that one life, and that one life.